Last year, Ulster Bank and KBC, as you probably know, announced that they were going to shut down their banking service in Ireland. And since then, customers have received numerous letters and emails telling them about this closure and how to transfer their accounts to another bank. There's also been countless adverts, I don't know if you've heard them on the radio, uh, warning people and urging them that they have to move their accounts. And some people have responded. As of last month, it was in the news that nearly 400,000 accounts have been closed, with many people opening up other accounts in other banks. And as maybe you know, we as a church have had to do that ourselves. But that has left more than 850,000 accounts that are still open and still need to be transferred over. So many that it's forced the banks to kind of move some of their deadlines to give more people more time to move their accounts. So why have people been so slow in moving to other banks, even though they know that their bank is going to close? Why have they stuck with those banks, even though they're moving out of the country and they're not going to be here for much longer? Well, probably it's just because of the hassle of it. It's a pain having to move your bank. If you've had to do it, if you're one of the people who've had to do it, then it's a real pain having to do it. But maybe it's also because most of us just don't like change. We resist it. We're scared of it. We get so stuck in our ways that we just want things to remain the way that they were. And I think that's what the original readers of the book of Hebrews were also struggling with. They had believed in Jesus. And yet they were uncomfortable with the changes that this had brought into their lives. And so some of them were being tempted to turn back to the Judaism, the religion that they'd come from. With all of its rules and all of its regulations and all of its rituals. And so the writer was writing to tell them that that system that they were that used to be under, that old covenant system, was flawed and was out of date. And it would soon disappear. But then Christ, they had something far better. A new covenant based on better promises that would bring better blessings into their lives. And it was that reality that he wanted his readers to live in more and more. And I think this is especially relevant for us too, today. Maybe not because we are tempted to go back to Judaism as a religion. Most of us aren't in that situation. But because there are still many people today who are stuck in an old covenant-like religion. A religion that has lots of the different facets of that old covenant. And there are even believers in Jesus who are living as if they are still bound by those old covenant rules and regulations. And so today, we're going to look at how we need to leave that old system behind. 
and how we need to live in the freedom and the joy that Jesus came to give us through this new covenant, this better covenant. So we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 8. Fantastic passage. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1 to 13, and Tony's going to come and he's going to read for us this morning. Thanks, Tony. Good morning, all. Hebrews 8, the whole passage. The point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already men who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy of and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build a tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But the ministry Jesus has received is a superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one and is founded on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant and the house of Israel, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. Thanks, Tony. Covenants are crucially important in the Bible. They give structure to the story of it. And if we want to understand God's word, we need to understand what covenants are and how they work. So a covenant is, a, is like a contract. It's a, a binding agreement. Like what we sign when we buy a house or, or get a new job or, or get married. It defines things like the basis of that agreement. What each person is, is to do. How long that contract will last for. And the consequences if it is broken. And throughout the Bible, God makes covenants with different people. People like Noah. Or Abraham. Or David. And those covenants establish his relationships with those people. The conditions of that relationship. And the consequences if those conditions are not met. But the covenant that's talked about in our passage, the old covenant that's mentioned here, is the, the Mosaic covenant that God made with Israel at Mount Sinai. 
The covenant defined how Israel would live as God's chosen people. It provided things like the tabernacle and the priesthood and the sacrifices and rituals. And it also promised incredible blessings if the people followed the exact commands within the law. But it also promised curses if they didn't, if they failed to obey the law. And when they heard this, in response, the people said this, We will do everything the Lord has said. That was them signing up to this covenant. But they didn't live up to that. Again and again, they disobeyed God. They went after other gods. And so God kept his part of that agreement and allowed them to experience the curse of the law. And they ended up in defeat and exile and separation from him. And that is why God said through the prophet Jeremiah, as, as the writer uh, quoted in Hebrews chapter 8, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them. So this new covenant, this new agreement, this new contract that God uh, wrote up here is the proof that there was something wrong with the old one. This is what verse 7 says. If there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. If God's agreement with the nation of Israel on Mount Sinai had provided them the basis of an intimate, secure, lasting relationship with Him, then there wouldn't have been any need for a new covenant. But the promise, this prophecy of a new covenant proves that God had fault, found fault with that old one. Now, that wasn't because he didn't keep his side of the agreement. But it was because of their sinful nature, Israel didn't keep theirs. They couldn't keep theirs. So the writer concluded in verse 13, By calling this covenant new, he's made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete? And aging will soon disappear. The presence of the, old, the new one shows that the old one is out of date. It's like past its sell-by date. And it will soon pass away. That probably refers to the fact that at the time of writing, the rituals and the regulations within the Judy, Jew, Jewish system and the old covenant, that was still being followed. The priests were still making those sacrifices in the temple. But very soon, it would all stop. Because in AD 70, the Romans came in and destroyed the temple and there hasn't been a temple in Jerusalem since. But that was okay. 
Because God was now relating to his people through a new covenant. And the writer gives three reasons why that new covenant is a better covenant. So, verse 1, verse, verse one, first of all. It is because it's mediated by a superior priest. We do have such a high priest, verse 1 says. Now, that refers back to the last few chapters. If you've been with us, you'll see that. You'll have known what we've been talking about with this new priest, Jesus being a a new priest in the order of Melchizedek. (coughs) For as long as they lived, the Levitical priests, they served in a vital role in representing the people before God. But Jesus, as a priest in the order of Melchizedek, He has a better priesthood, a permanent priesthood, guaranteed by God's oath. And he has made sufficient sacrifice for our sins. And this superiority is demonstrated by the elevated position that he has now. Look at verse 1 again, how he sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. If you've been following on through the the book of Hebrews, you'll see that this is a repeating theme. The writer talks about this again and again. That Jesus is sitting down at the right hand of God. Our great high priest is none other than the king of the universe. He is the Messiah. He is God's ultimate anointed one. And he is the one who is the mediator of this new covenant. As Jesus declared at the Last Supper, when he instituted communion, which we have just remembered together, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Through his once and for all death on on the cross, Jesus has brought us into this new covenant with God. Paid for by his blood. But this covenant is not only better because it's mediated by a superior priest. It's also because it's ministered in a superior place. Look at verse 5. The Levitical priests, they serve in a sanctuary that is a copy of and shadow of what is in heaven. The tabernacle and the temple, which came later, they were another one of those types in the Old Testament. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the types in the Old Testament. The things that resemble and point forward to a greater and deeper reality. And so the tabernacle and later on the temple... That's what they were. They were a copy, a shadow, a type pointing forward. This is the reason why God told Moses, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. (coughs) This shows how special the tabernacle in the Old Covenant was. I know that sometimes when we're reading through the, the Old Testament, maybe you're getting into the, into the book of Exodus or later on into Leviticus and you're reading about all the details of the, the tabernacle. It's like, 
oh, why are there so many details about pomegranates and, and bells and, and, and threads and all that kind of stuff? Well, it's because this tabernacle was special. It wasn't just designed by some human being. It wasn't just the, the imagination of some very creative person. Moses, he wasn't allowed to use his creativity and his ingenuity in putting that tabernacle together. Because God had already designed it. And he designed it to reflect and resemble and point to the true sanctuary in heaven. So that tabernacle was a special place. It was an amazing privilege for these priests to serve in that sanctuary. But the new covenant is better. Because Jesus didn't come to serve in an earthly copy. Instead, verse 2, he serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle, set up by the Lord. Not by man. The tabernacle was a temporary sanctuary. Just like the Levitical priesthood was temporary. But Jesus' ministry is never going to pass away. Because he's serving in a heavenly sanctuary. An eternal sanctuary. So this new covenant is better Because it's mediated by a superior priest and it's ministered in a superior place. But it's also because it's based on superior promises. The Old Covenant was regulated by 613 laws. These determined how the people of Israel should behave in relationship to God. But of course they couldn't keep all those laws. They all fell short of that standard. And so by Jesus' time, they tried to reduce the standard, lower the standard, limit this to external obedience. That's what the Pharisees did. In order to be able to arrogantly claim that they had kept the law, they had to reduce the standard of the law to something that they could keep. Rules about how they would behave and what they would do. All about the external rather than internal obedience. That's why Jesus called them hypocrites. He said to them, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous. But on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And many people, many religious people fall into the same trap today. They try to establish their own righteousness by conforming to rules about where they go, what they do. What they say. But they forget that God's priority, what God sees, is right into our very hearts. 
into our attitudes, into our motives, into our thoughts. So those rules and regulations conforming to a way of living will never be good enough for God. But the new covenant is not about external laws. Rather, it's about an internal change. Look at the first promise, verse 10. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. Isn't that amazing? God's promise is that he will change our our lives from the inside out. Not by giving us a whole list of things. You have to do this and do this and do this and have to be confined and controlled by a whole series of laws. But that He will give us the desire and the ability to live a life that pleases Him. Of course, that transformation will never be complete. Until we see Jesus face to face. It's a process that will take our very, our whole lives. But this is the power of the Holy Spirit living in each one of us. If we've trusted in Jesus. We are being transformed into His likeness. With ever increasing glory. What an amazing promise in this new covenant relationship that we have in Christ. The second promise is also amazing. It's that of an intimate relationship with God. Look at verse 10 again. I will be their God and they will be my people. In the old covenant, it was the people of Israel and of Judah who were God's chosen people. The rest of the nations, they were excluded from that principle, from that privilege. That's why this prophecy was given to the house of Judah and the house of Israel. But the wonderful truth of this new covenant, the wonderful revelation of the New Testament, is that this relationship is offered to all the nations both Jew and Gentile alike. Jesus' commission to his disciples was go and make disciples of all nations. And one of the joys of of Christianity in, in Ireland today is that in church we have that expressed, don't we? Even Scottish people are allowed in. <laughs> they are allowed in as well. But this privilege is not just for all nations. It's also for all individuals who trust in Jesus. In the Old Covenant, some people had a greater privilege of intimacy with God than others. So when Moses, when Moses received the law, He went up Mount Sinai to speak with God, but it says, Exodus chapter 20, the people remained at a distance. They couldn't come up that mountain. They couldn't come close to God. 
And that distinction continued in the tabernacle. As only the priests were allowed into the, the holy place. And only one man, the, whole, the high priest, was allowed into the, the most holy place. The old covenant was a faith community where some people had greater access to God than others. But that's not the case with the new covenant. Look at verse 11. The promise is that no longer will a man teach his neighbour or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest. True Christianity does not have a clergy, laity distinction. The majority of us do not need to rely on the insight about God or the intimacy with God of a few. We don't need to go to another human being and ask them to mediate between us and God. We don't need to long for to be able to climb up the hierarchy so that we could really experience God's presence. Instead, all of us who have trusted in Jesus are welcomed into the intimate presence of God. Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 says this, Now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. We have that direct access to God. Today we can come close to God. We don't need to come through a different person. We don't need to stay back thinking, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I, I, don't know the, I don't have the knowledge of this other person. Or I don't have that role in church. We don't. We are, each one of us are invited into God's intimate presence. This was so powerfully demonstrated at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came to the church. In the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit came on specific people at a specific time to empower them for specific ministries. But at at Pentecost, it says in Acts chapter 2, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. That day, all of them received the Holy Spirit because all of them were brought into that same intimate relationship with God. This was not just for the apostles. This was not just for the likes of Peter or James or John. This was for each and every one of us. We can experience that same intimacy with God. This new covenant community is a community where every one of us are priests to God. Coming into his holy presence to offer a sacrifice of praise and worship to him. And this is possible because of the final promise of an incredible forgiveness. The old covenant again just express a limited level of forgiveness in limited situations. 
So the law really could never declare anybody righteous in God's sight. Instead it showed how far short of God's standard we really fell. So Paul says in Romans chapter 3, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather through the law we become conscious of sin. The law doesn't make us, make us right with God. It just shows how far short of God's standard we've fallen. But the new covenant promise is full, free, complete forgiveness for everyone who puts their faith in Jesus and is a atoning sacrifice for us. Verse 12. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. That doesn't mean that God is going to forget what we've done. It doesn't mean that he forgets all that we've been through in our lives. Instead it means he will never ever hold it against us. Ever again. He will never ever treat us on the basis of what we will, what we have done, what we are doing, what we will do in our lives. All our sins have been forgiven. All of them, once and for all. Our guilt, our debt has been wiped away completely from our record. So God will never deal with us on the basis of what we have done or haven't done. Instead, He accepts us completely and fully on the basis of what Jesus has done. So this morning, we can be declared righteous in God's sight. Completely perfect. Completely holy. Dressed in the righteousness of Christ. Welcomed into His holy presence. People like you and me, who mess up and get it wrong so often, we can be perfect in God's sight. Because this is what Jesus won for us on the cross. In Him we have redemption. Through His blood. The forgiveness of sins. In accordance with the riches of God's grace. So this is the promise of the new covenant that we're brought into through faith in Jesus. Our great high priest who ever lives to intercede for us in heaven. So why would any of us want to live in an old covenant-like religion? Why would we ever want to focus on external rules and regulations and fall into that legalistic trap? When Jesus offers us an internal change to empower us to live for Him. Why would we ever want to be part of a system where some are elevated above others? When Jesus came to give all of us an intimate relationship with God. Why would we want to depend on empty rules and rituals that can never ever deal with our sin. 
when Jesus died to give us that incredible forgiveness so that we can be right with God now and forever. The new covenant is better by far. So let's make sure that each one of us have trusted in Jesus. That we've put our trust in Him and in Him alone. And then let us live in the joy and the freedom that He alone can give us.